0: What makes Bitcoin valuable, is the fact that Bitcoin doesn't have a physical form. If something has a physical form, it is confiscatable, It is, it can be censored. If it can be censored or confiscatable, it does not belong on a blockchain.
1: Bitcoin and blockchain technology has captured the world's attention with its promise to fundamentally change the way that business is done across all industries. But where there is so much promise, There is an equal amount of confusion about the technology and crypto instruments. In December 2017, the Bitcoin price was at an all-time high of $19,783. The world's media went crazy, saying that Bitcoin's price had gone parabolic. And despite the warnings of savvy investors, ordinary people invested into Bitcoin without knowing the full extent of the risks involved. People took out credit cards, second mortgages and personal loans to get into the cryptocurrency gold rush. But just a few short months later, over $600 billion was wiped off the value of cryptocurrencies, and the large majority of people lost everything. But some investors became millionaires literally overnight, and in the process became financially free for the rest of their lives. But are cryptocurrencies the answer to financial independence for a few or for many? To get the answer, we have launched a new series called Crypto Kung Fu which will take an investigative look at the current news, risks, and opportunities in the cryptocurrency space and give you access to the world's leading crypto experts right here on The Matt Brown Show. Listen closely to our $1,000 trading challenge, where we will ask these experts to trade with our money to prove whether the world of crypto, like Bitcoin, really do live up to the hype. Oh, and if you'd like to join the conversation, you can reach me at MattBrownZA on Twitter and Instagram or search for The Matt Brown Show on Facebook and YouTube. Hi guys, and welcome back. This is the second episode of our Crypto Kung Fu series right here on The Matt Brown Show. You know, as always, we are talking about the hottest topics and trends in the world of cryptocurrency. And today, I'm beyond excited because we are being joined by one of the biggest names in the crypto space, and he is none other than Tone Vase. As a former vice president of J.P. Morgan Chase, He is a Wall Street trader, Bitcoin analyst and expert on economic trends and so he is more than qualified to be joining us for today's episode. So strap yourself in for an insightful and mind expanding ride where we reveal the little known link between the mining hash rate and the future Bitcoin price, why India is suffering from something called a crypto brain drain and the myth of the stablecoin in financial services. We also reveal how smart investors are speculating on the future price of Bitcoin and how you as an investor, speculator, and or trader can make better trading decisions. And listen closely to Tone's recommendation of shorting Bitcoin in our $1,000 trading challenge. So without further ado, enter Tone Vase. And we're live. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 2 of Crypto Kung Fu. With me today on the line is none other than the man, the legend, the enigma of Bitcoin, Tone Vase, welcome to the show. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be on.
1: So, Tone, how the hell have you been? It's been, how long has it been? It's been about a year and a half since I last spoke to you.
0: Yeah, I think so. I was part of that uh, Bitcoin versus uh, Bcash debate, uh, which was interesting. Very frustrating for me, uh, as you know.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, how do you feel that all went for you? <laughs>
0: Um, It went fine for me, uh, other than uh, these things always take longer to materialize than I anticipate. Uh, Like, I didn't think Bcash was going to still be around. I thought it would just die within months. It's still with us. It's still a plague. It's going to go away. Uh, So these things always take longer. I always tend to underestimate uh, human stupidity. Uh, when it comes to the things others will convince them to invest in uh the same thing with ethereum and many others uh so it's taken a while but eventually people become smarter and they put their money in better things or they lose it all and they seem to be losing it all but i'm okay with it um i i'm happy i was on the right side of that debate from day one i never even considered uh, going over to our fork of bitcoin And uh, it's great that history is proving guys like me to be correct.
1: Yep, 100%. So let's dive into um, our trading challenge update. So Kira has the actual numbers. uh, So if you wouldn't mind opening up your block folio. So we put $1,000 into Bitcoin. This is Adam Meister's trade uh, for us. And as Bitcoin has been trading sideways, I think we lost a bit of cash. Uh, What was the number? World class show. For the voice voice of reason. Of reason. There you go. Thank you so much, Q. We learn as we go here on mm. Crypto Kung Fu. <laughs> we we have lost two point three seven dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. Well, you know, this is this is what's fun about it really, right? We've lost money. <laughs> I mean could we I mean what could you buy with that two dollars? I mean if you invested the two dollars today, Tone, what could you buy in say thirty years from now? Compounded interest. You're the master.
0: <laughs> if i only had two dollars to invest for 30 years it would probably be in bitcoin i just don't see anything uh beating the return of bitcoin for the next 30 years
1: yeah that's uh that's pretty cool i some people are doing hallelujah signals here in the office and hands going up in the air so you've ticked some great boxes here and we're in minute four well done yeah, so ju- ju-
0: ju- ju- just wait till uh, um, oh oh I thought you wanted me to make a trade with a thousand, or am I making a trade with two dollars and thirty cents?
1: No it's definitely well in fact it's nine hundred and ninety eight dollars now. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the news. So, guys, we have been scouring the interwebs and we have discovered some interesting news bites that uh, I'd like to get Tone's commentary on. And I want to start with uh, this one. So, the Bitcoin's record hash rate may hint at price gains to come. So, Tone, this whole... article basically made the point around hash rate and minor confidence um i don't know whether you've seen this but what is the stink around this what is the insights related to hash rate minor confidence and you know the speculation of the movements of the bitcoin price
0: sure i actually uh, disagree with that viewpoint uh this is uh the way you just described it is the viewpoint that the price of bitcoin follows the hash rate and I don't believe that is true. I believe that hash rate follows the price of Bitcoin. And there's two things that are driving this immense increase in hash rate uh, at this point in time. One of them is the fact that Bitcoin has gone up in price quite a bit. Uh, we went from three thousand in the beginning of the year all the way to fourteen thousand a few months ago, and we're currently sitting right around ten thousand, a little bit higher than that. So that is a substantial increase. And uh, miners can do very, very well right now. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say a miner's break-even is probably somewhere in the vicinity of $6,000. So they're doing really, really well. Uh, so I'm not surprised that a lot of hash power is coming online. There's a bigger driver to all of this hash power. And that's the fact that there is going to be a Bitcoin halving coming up in May. So that's only, you know, uh, that's only about eight months away. So in eight months, there's going to be a Bitcoin halving where miners will get half the reward. So right now is their last chance to really push for getting a nice reward in Bitcoin of 12.5 Bitcoin per block. So uh, I'm sure miners are doing everything in their power to get as much hash rate online before this halving as possible. Uh, So these are the two big drivers of the hash rate. And the bigger the hash rate, the sooner the halving is going to come. And of course, uh, the quicker your transactions are being processed and the more secure the entire network. So this is a good thing. More hash power is always good.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to also pick up on this article. Okay. Um, was this one here around um, Bitcoin being banned in India and the consequences, because essentially what they're describing is that it's the first really big democracy that's outright banned uh, cryptocurrencies completely. Like, and actually I was reading here that you cannot, if you, essentially if you are held with any Cryptocurrency whatsoever. If you caught mining, if you're doing anything whatsoever in the cryptocurrency space, you'll literally go to prison and it says you're for ten years. Um, what is your view on the brain drain consequence? And this is kind of what they're saying: it's like you know, if you're ban- banning something as huge as cryptocurrency and blockchain because it's obviously the two go together, um, and this is effectively creating a brain drain of talent out of the country. What are your what is your view on this decision from the Indian government?
0: So um, it's unfortunate. Uh, the Indian government is not uh, doing uh, its citizens a good service uh, for banning crypto. Assuming everything in this article is accurate, because when you start uh, talking to people from India, they, they think a lot of these headlines are actually overblown. I never saw India as a crypto powerhouse. I I never considered it. I don't think this is going to do all that much to Hurt Bitcoin. It will, however, uh, hurt India in the future, and it's the brain drain that you were talking about. So, any entrepreneurs that wanna that are any smart people, any smart Indians uh, that wanna innovate with the latest technology of Bitcoin, they're gonna have to move. They're gonna have to find a way out of the country. Now, just because Bitcoin is banned, doesn't mean that people aren't gonna use it. I mean, alcohol was banned in America for like 17 years during the prohibition and uh, everyone still apparently managed to drink. Uh, you know, drugs like marijuana have been banned in the U.S. and most of the world. for food. So you can't stop Bitcoin. That's the important part. Someone in India wants to use Bitcoin. Uh, they're going to use Bitcoin. Uh, so that, that's not going to change. But it's unfortunate there will be a brain drain. Uh, but the reason why I never really considered India to be so critical for the Bitcoin infrastructure is because, yes, they have a billion people, but the average person in India is, uh, you know, they're below poverty line. They they can't contribute much. So the average person in India buying 10 or $20 worth of Bitcoin is not going to change anything. Um, I always said that Bitcoin uh, can help the poor and the developed nations, but uh, Bitcoin will... Uh, will help the developed nations more in a, um, uh, as a secondary market. So for me, I try to convince people of first world, Americans, uh, Canadians, Australians, uh, Europeans, uh, those that have more entrepreneurs, those that can build global companies, uh, countries that, use, that will produce the next Bill Gates or the next Google and a lot of people in those countries, they have more money to protect. And I want them to protect that money with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is unconfiscatable. Bitcoin is censorship resistant. And if you can protect your wealth in Bitcoin, avoid the events of Cyprus where money was confiscated from your bank account. Avoid the problems of Greece where you've had money in your bank account, but you weren't allowed to use it. Mm. Um, uh, Italy... Uh, took away, uh, changed things in people's retirement accounts. If you can protect your money with Bitcoin, if you can protect your life savings that are of substantial size, you can then become an entrepreneur, you can then build your own company with that money, and you can then help the developed world way more. Uh, so I don't really see uh, India or Philippines or many other developing countries as being that critical uh, to Bitcoin, but people in the first world can then build the tools to help those people even more than Bitcoin alone could.
1: Mm. What, what do you think the Indian government is trying to protect here?
0: You know, that's a very good question. I, I think it's just fear. I don't think they're, they're trying to protect anything. I think it's just fear. I think it's a misunderstanding. Um, I think uh, India knows that they can't stop gold. Uh, People in India are very, very fond of gold. India has did its best to uh, curtail the uh, gold being flooded into their country. There was a point a few years ago where uh, those that tell the government about uh, uh, those that are importing gold into the country uh, had a higher jail sentence than if you reported on someone smuggling cocaine into the country. What? uh, Yeah. Uh, And and, uh, I I don't know. It's this. uh, And the other thing that bothers me with these things is a lot of times politicians pass these laws just so they can take advantage of them. So Mm. I bet you all of the politicians that are trying to ban Bitcoin, I bet you they have Bitcoin. And they see how useful it is and they see how important it is and they almost want to keep it for themselves because one of the reasons why people become politicians is to make laws on others that they don't have to follow themselves. Uh, so, and in India, I can totally see that happening.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great point. It really is a great point because it makes no sense. Do you know what I mean? To be completely forthright and black about the whole space um, when you think about the financial system and the you know everything that goes along with that. Um, from a centralization perspective Regulation perspective You know And just generally How slow it is um, And when you look at You know Cryptocurrencies And, and blockchain Specifically And what it promises The financial uh, System To be of the You know In terms of the future It doesn't make sense for, you, for that to be such a You know We're done It's definitely a no from us You know what I mean When the whole world Is talking about this thing um, So it's a great point By the way I, I Do you trust politicians In general
0: Oh, me? Yeah. Absolutely not. I, I, I really don't trust politicians uh, because the things that you have to do to even get elected are automatically, uh, like honest people, it's so hard uh, to get, get elected. So you have to go, you have to uh, be very, very ruthless uh, to, get, to even get elected. And the, and the steps you go through to get elected um, already corrupts you. So, I really, um, it's hard for me to imagine uh, a politician that isn't in one way or another corrupt. Uh, Mm. Government corruption is probably the biggest problem the world has. I don't have a good solution. Hopefully, when politicians no longer have control of the money supply and uh, they have to deal with Bitcoin, that could be a huge step up in helping to eliminate uh, government corruption.
1: Yeah. Um and uh, corruption is rife in the financial services space, and I found this pretty interesting. Wells Fargo to pilot a dollar-linked stablecoin for internal settlement. Um, so the, how does that headline make you feel?
0: I mean, it's fine. It doesn't really tell me anything. It's uh, I don't understand why Wells Fargo needs to announce this. Yeah. Uh, ninety five percent of the U.S. dollars are digital. It's already a stablecoin. So this is just headlines uh, due to their misunderstanding of what a blockchain is, what a decentralized ledger technology is. Um, it comes down to this: where th- there's all this hype about stable coins. Um, stable coins is just a digital representation of the U.S. dollar. The only question you have to ask is, what database or is this digital data going to be moving on? And if you put this digital data on top of a Uh, grossly inefficient unscalable insecure platform like ethereum you will learn a very valuable lesson to where one day just implodes now bitcoin now has functionality with the liquid side chain to put one of these stable coins as the bitcoin blockchain as its underlying database is that safe i don't know is it safer than ethereum probably significantly safer but um, i can't guarantee that so uh, to me none of this makes any sense uh the government wants to eliminate physical cash anyway they don't need blockchain technology that's not what blockchain technology is people don't really don't understand what blockchain technology is uh now the word blockchain never even appeared in the satoshi white paper uh the word blockchain is something that satoshi used in his code to describe the process of bitcoin so if you're gonna talk about 21st century innovation, that's proof of work. Satoshi invented the proof of work. He solved the double spend problem and that has its good parts and its bad parts. The good parts to solving proof of work is that now you have scarce digital data that is a bearer asset. So whoever holds that digital data owns it. And there is a finite number of this digital data, which is why this digital data goes up in value. And we call this digital data Bitcoin. Yeah. If you're going to build something that doesn't have this bearer asset quality, it's not utilizing the 21st century innovation of Satoshi. So if you're going to put real estate on the blockchain, or uh, you're going to put these uh, this US dollar stable coin on the blockchain, remember, whoever owns the digital data has to be able to send it in a censorship-resistant way, has to be able to lose it completely if they forget the password. It has to be unconfiscatable by a central party. Um, And it's not going to have any of these properties because the bank is going to want to be able to stop a transaction that they think is financing terrorist activity. So if it can do that, then it's not decentralized and it's... Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Hi there guys, so Crypto Kung Fu is proudly sponsored by Prime Health and ZA Nootropics. If you're listening to me right now, I know that you, like me, want to get the most out of your day. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a crypto investor, business leader, or simply a regular guy or gal like me trying to build something of value for yourself, you need what I have and that is a customized mix of premium, high-performance, smart supplements and adaptogens from Prime Health. This stuff is the bomb. So, these products have helped me to make every day a success and help, have helped me improve my brain health, cognition, and overall stress management. Neutropics are ready to help you too. So, simply head on over to zaneutropics.co.za and browse the online store of amazing smart supplements and I highly recommend the Lion's Mane Mushroom. It will blow your mind. But whatever you buy, enter the code NINJA20 at checkout and you'll receive a 20% discount on your order. I cannot recommend these guys highly enough. So go there now. That's ZANootropics.co.za.
0: They can do that now. They could have done that 40 years ago. They didn't need Satoshi for this.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There was this whole debate last time I had you on the show um, was around proof of work versus proof of stake. How has your view changed uh, as it relates to proof of stake versus proof of work over the last sort of 18 months?
0: my view on uh proof of work versus proof of stake has not changed Mm. i always thought proof of stake was totally ridiculous and not innovative Uh, a proof of stake system is something that existed for thousands of years a king uh is a proof of stake system uh someone running the country has the most money they have the most at stake they have the most to lose they have to keep their population happy if they don't the king Gets overthrown by the population uh, or by his own military if he's unable to properly pay them. But a proof of stake system is whoever has the most gets to earn the most. The US dollar is a proof of stake system. The US government has the most at stake uh, in the dollar and they print it for themselves. That's what a proof of stake system is. It is not a capitalistic system, it is really a socialist system. And um, It doesn't add any extra security. It's an illusion. And um, um, I don't understand how people cling to it. And you notice that people that cling to the proof-of-stake system are more socialist and communist in nature. They're all the ones about sharing and about redistribution of wealth and all these crazy things to demonize uh, the capitalistic nature of markets and basically to print the money for themselves. As the leader, I know what's best. I can redistribute the income. And of course, I will print it all for myself first. I think a proof-of-stake system is very dangerous and uh, uh, very uh, manipulative. And uh, I really don't like the mentality and the nature of people that even try to suggest it.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Couldn't agree with you more. You mentioned... um about uh, putting things on the blockchain. And there was this one around, around Harbor. Uh, so Harbor tokenizes real estate funds worth $100 million on Ethereum. And basically the headline here is that um, Harbor, Harbor has essentially announced that they are going to pivot as a company, right? Where they used to issue security tokens and now what they're doing is they're helping to tokenize existing securities uh, on the blockchain. What's your view on, on putting property on the blockchain as an example i know this is a security thing um, and, and where i'm going with this is that if you think about blockchain it's a financial system Right. Um, and there, there was so much promise of putting everything on the blockchain from property to law to cattle to, you know, rare seeds and endangered animals and all this kind of thing. And we haven't really seen the adoption happen. Um, first your view on Harbor and what they're trying to do around tokenizing existing securities, what's actually going on here. And then the second thing I'd like to get your view on is what can you viably right put, Yeah, what can you viably put onto the blockchain? Other than financial services stuff Nothing yeah. um,
0: I think putting uh, property on a blockchain Is one of the most ridiculous things uh, Someone can actually do uh, let, Let's also start with the fact That putting anything on top of Ethereum Is technologically dangerous Irresponsible And borderline scammy uh, that, That's the technological problem With putting things on top of Ethereum Um, Ethereum is an unscalable technology that is not decentralized. It has all of the downside of a blockchain without any of the upside of a blockchain long term. In the short term, you get to speculate, get rich, and make a lot of money from unqualified investors. Now let's talk about putting property on the blockchain. That is also very, very dangerous theoretically. What makes Bitcoin valuable is the fact that Bitcoin doesn't have a physical form. If something has a physical form, it is confiscatable, it, is, it can be censored. If it can be censored or confiscatable, it does not belong on a blockchain. Putting property on a blockchain, a real blockchain like the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, creates other problems. If I have my uh, property uh, linked to me on the blockchain, I am responsible for it. That means I can lose it. I can transfer it to a stranger, and do they now own my property? Um, The other issue is your property is confiscatable. If uh, you put your real estate on the blockchain and another government takes over your region, do you think they're going to care if you own that property on the blockchain? For example, most recently, uh, Russia took over Crimea, which was a part of Ukraine Uh, which they kind of gave to Ukraine while it was all one country of the Soviet Union. And then while Ukraine was, uh, while the Ukrainian president was on very good relations with Russia and Russia was using uh, the region of Crimea as their uh, naval port, there weren't any issues. But then when there was this revolution in Ukraine, uh, Russia decided to take that land. Do you think Russia would care if a Ukrainian uh, says that, he owns that land because it's in the blockchain? Uh, I mean, this is the the, the ridiculousness of this nature, right? Let's take another example. Let's say there was a blockchain three or 400 years ago uh, when uh, America was colonized uh, by the Europeans and they uh, took the land from the Native Americans that owned it before. Uh, Let's say your family has owned this house and this land for the last 120 years and some native american comes and says according to the blockchain your land is now mine um it's going to be laughable right like it really doesn't matter uh because also um just because it's in the blockchain doesn't mean that it's true if a politician puts into the blockchain that his cousin now owns a certain property and no one pays it no, no one can pay attention to every single transaction in a blockchain. This just doesn't happen. So if you enter into the blockchain that uh, your cousin owns a certain piece of land, and then 20, 30 years later, that cousin shows up and says, hey, look at the blockchain. I own this land, right? Like it doesn't solve any of these problems. Now, these concepts are totally ridiculous. Uh, what you need is a database that countries or uh an industry within a country can all reliably agree on and trust. Uh, that's, uh, I, I like calling that decentralized ledger technology, uh, which is basically a database with multiple administrators and everyone checks each other. Like you can create a giant Google spreadsheet where every single thing in that spreadsheet is audited by Google. And it's there. You can create a whole real estate um Spreadsheet in Excel, you put it on a Google Doc. Every single real estate agent has access to this Google spreadsheet. Anyone that edits it, the edit the edit is recorded and uh, the the it's tracked for the rest of history. Unless you think Google is going away, um, and, and everyone can have their own local copy to make sure that others aren't cheating. That would be a much more efficient system. So just because uh, the real estate sector can't get into the same room and agree on using you know, the technology of the 1990s uh, doesn't mean that it needs to be on a blockchain creating all of these other problems.
1: Well, I'm glad we got that cleared up. <laughs> um, cool. I want to talk to you about this idea of Hashgraph. So this came out uh, this week. Hedera Hashgraph touted as high-speed blockchain alternative. This is all around, you know, can blockchain really scale? Uh, you made the point around Ethereum not being able to scale, and in general, blockchain battles to scale. Um, what are you? What have you heard about this Hedera Hashgraph? graph? Um, basically, they've launched the um, so public network and whole sort of thing.
0: I, I remember being very critical of this project a year and a half ago. Uh, the whole hash graph idea—it's uh, twofold. One. It's a couple of guys wanting to recreate the internet, basically. Everyone wants to recreate the internet. Everyone says, I can solve all of these problems. I can do it. Uh, After Satoshi actually solved something, everyone has been doubling down. I can solve it better. Uh, What it comes down to is this. A couple of guys want to recreate the internet. And in order for them to do it, they need a lot of money. And what they're going to do is they're going to create a token. They're going to fundraise. They're gonna convince a bunch of qualified investors and unqualified investors uh, to invest in them because they can recreate the internet. And of course, they won't. I don't see anything coming out of this project other than uh, the destruction of the three hundred seventy-nine million. Uh, from what I see in that article,
1: what what do you mean so by? It's
0: all about look look. It's all about the tokens. Satoshi created a new form of decentralized money. And it's amazing. Bitcoin can really revolutionize the world. And since the moment he created it, everyone else has been trying to get rich by creating their own token, their own security that's unlicensed, their own money. Uh, And that's all it is. I can read it right there in the article. The first tokens, more than 379 million. I guess that's how many tokens and they're anticipating uh, they will get $124 million. It's all about the money. It's all about a couple of guys that wanna do computer programming and they just wanna be paid for it. It doesn't matter if what they're doing is useful or not. And because there is enough speculators out there, they will give them the money. Um, I I think it's a completely ridiculous project. Um, Can you profit on it? Of course you can. Uh, Just like in the ICO boom, uh, I don't think anything will materialize from that. Maybe some companies will restructure the money that they created into an actual uh, regulated security, which is what it should have been from the beginning. I don't have a problem with security laws. Um, I personally don't. I think they're there for a reason. Uh, they're there to prevent a bunch of guys getting $124 million from the unqualified general public um, or from a couple of rich people that can instantly sell it to the unqualified general public in an unregulated market of, you know, crypto securities. All of this will eventually go away. Event, just like in the dot-com days, people eventually stopped buying stocks of companies that had a very nice-looking website and absolutely nothing else behind it. Eventually, people stopped believing in this nonsense of things like hash graphs.
1: What do you mean by... When you say they're trying to recreate the Internet, what, what practically for our viewers out there and listeners out there, when, they, when they're trying to understand what the hell does that mean practically, because they only know the Internet in a certain way, what do you mean specifically in this context?
0: Well, just read, let's, let's read the first sentence. Um, Hashgraph has launched a, a long-awaited public network backed by some of the world's largest corporations and promising faster transactions and greater capacity to scale than any blockchain to date. Um, that's completely not needed, right? So first of all, if I send PayPal to you, that's pretty much instant, okay? So there's no such thing as promising faster transactions. Transferring data on the internet is instant. If I send you a text message, it's instant. It's virtually instant. There's absolutely no innovation there. Now, there is a reason why a Bitcoin transaction can take hours because that's confirmation, That is security. There is uh, nothing uh, because it's actually decentralized. Is Hashgraph decentralized? Of course it's not. There is nothing about Hashgraphs that's decentralized like Bitcoin because you need proof of work mining. And if you have proof of work mining, you're not going to be able to compete with Bitcoin because your security is significantly lower. So this is a centralized database. And when it comes to a centralized database, we've had instant uh send uh database transactions since aol since aol is the messenger uh so what is it are they recreating it's a bunch of lies uh these uh headlines bother me a lot they're talking about greater capacity to scale again um you if you have a decentralized product it is very difficult to scale uh the smartest people are doing it for bitcoin they're scaling it with a liquid side chain They're scaling it with the lightning network. Uh, That's scale of a decentralized system. This is not a decentralized system. It can't be a decentralized system. It's impossible for two guys in the cover, if you scroll back up.
1: Those dudes, and they don't look like billionaires to me. it
0: (laughs) It is literally impossible for a person to stand in front of a camera and look at it and say i will build a decentralized system that's not how it works satoshi created a decentralized system he released code never made himself known and that code grew in the wild bitcoin was worthless for a year and a half as it spread around the world as developers gave their time building it out not knowing if it's ever going to succeed not getting paid for it either Um, Miners were mining it, spending money on electricity on something that was worthless as a science experiment as it grew in a decentralized way. That's decentralization. Two guys that need funding will never be able to build a decentralized system. That's not how the world works, Um, which is why um, all they're doing is building a database. And that database, these databases have had instant uh data transfer they've had scale we, we, and uh this is all complete and utter nonsense
1: <laughs> this is why i love having you on the show <laughs> 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 uh, that's hilarious um this one i suppose echoes a point you you made previously around um you know adoption of blockchain outside of financial services and this is a research piece that came out uh, with the headline, blockchain is a new frontier according to top executives, but investment levels plummet. And I, and I think that's pretty much the, the key point here. Um, they went on to, to rec- uh, basically cite two pieces of research. One was from CB Insights from 2019, essentially saying that blockchain investments have dropped by up to 60% just uh, in the last year which is a staggering statistic, right? When you think about the scale of, of financial services and institutional banking, et cetera. Um, I suppose just to recap on this one, where is the adoption of blockchain solutions really going to come from? I mean, I know we've kind of tagged financial services as being the industry, right? Um, but when you, when you read things like this, Tone uh, around you know investments have dropped up to 60 percent. That's a huge number. What does that signal around? Uh, you know market intent or appetite for the for true adoption of blockchain
0: Just tells me people are getting smarter with where they put their money uh, Once again, we have to define what a blockchain is the way a lot of these articles describe a block their definition of a blockchain is an Excel spreadsheet with multiple you know user access to a spreadsheet if that is your blockchain uh, then uh, we've had all this stuff before. to me, a blockchain is proof of work uh mining to me, a blockchain is uh, to me blockchain is proof of work uh, and Bitcoin is the only one. Can Bitcoin be used for something other than money? The answer is maybe we don't know yet. so far, the only proven use case for a blockchain is Bitcoin in order to have. Unconfiscatable, censorship-resistant value transfer with a monetary policy like gold, where there will only be 21 million Bitcoin. That is my definition of a blockchain. And right now, the best investment you can have is to buy Bitcoin, learn what Bitcoin is, and educate people as to why they should appreciate Bitcoin. That would raise the price of Bitcoin, and you can make a lot more money by just buying the Bitcoin. As far as building out some kind of a blockchain, whether it's what R3 is doing, whether it's what Ethereum tried to do, um, it can, sure, I mean, if if some company wants to upgrade their database and they want to call their database upgrade a blockchain, I guess it can help them. But there are so many competitors out there doing this that you don't know who to invest in. And a lot of them have lost value. A lot of them have had all these promises. They haven't delivered anything. Uh, You have something like R3 that's trying, and they've removed all uh, references to the word blockchain, and they're now calling it decentralized ledger technology, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But then you have these really bad actors like Ripple, which are doing pretty much the same thing as R3 is doing, but they have an advantage of a hundred billion dollars, which they printed out of thin air with their Ripple token, that really has no reason to exist other than make a couple of guys cheap and uh, create a lot of money for Ripple. And um, that's how they're able to have a billion dollars to push around. Uh, So I don't respect a company like Ripple because they printed a billion dollars into FinAir as what I consider an unlicensed, unregistered security uh, being traded in unregulated markets. Mm. So um, it depends on your definition of a blockchain. And smart database uh, programmers uh, should be able to understand the difference between innovation and nonsense. And I think they're starting to see through the nonsense.
1: It's pretty interesting um, hearing a view like that because it's literally counter opposite from 18 months ago where everything was about blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. All industries will be disrupted. You know what I mean? Um, and it's quite interesting to see how, you know, entire markets have learned, as you say, you know, they've, they've kind of, you know, they've thrown bad money at something or good money at a bad sort of solution for their specific context, um, which is, um, which is sad.
0: Let let me, let me put it another way, right? It's kind of like thinking that just because your company can now have a website that it's somehow a new industry. Look at us. We all have websites today, right? But it doesn't change. Now, if you have a company that ignored the internet completely, you got replaced by someone that was able to adapt. For example, Netflix took out Blockbuster because Blockbuster didn't realize that, hey, people will be watching their movies on the internet instead of going to a store and picking up the the cassette, uh, the the DVD, or uh, before that, the VHS. So... Netflix can potentially face a similar problem where a Netflix competitor will accept Bitcoin as a payment and they will make it much easier for people around the world to pay for their movies and shows and videos. So Netflix needs to realize that Bitcoin can really help Netflix access certain regions that may not have credit cards that may have rampant credit card fraud, that may uh, that may not have the ability to use credit cards. So if Netflix stays on the credit card use uh, payment system, but a better Netflix can start accepting Bitcoin as a more efficient payment mechanism, cheaper payments, faster payments, access uh, a billion new users that Netflix just isn't reaching, Netflix could be replaced by a company that does the same thing, but utilizes Bitcoin. But but uh, uh, but a com- but Netflix on Ethereum, that would be a disaster.
1: Netflix on Ethereum would be a disaster. Yeah, that I agree with 100%. So that wraps up our news section. We are going to dive straight into part two, which is all about... Are you ready for this, Tony? It's going to blow your mind. You ready? Do it. <laughs> it is. Crypto Cats. <laughs> 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 we really got to do something about that sound effect. <laughs> oh my fuck. All right, here we go. So, keeping up with the Crypto Cats, um, our man in feature today, for one day only, <laughs> is this man. He's your best friend, Tone. Do you know that? Of course. Of you course. and him love each other. You go way back. <laughs> His name is Craig Wright. His name is Craig Wright, for those of you listening. And um, Tone, this is our crypto cat in feature, who, by the way, is no longer on Twitter for a thing that I want to talk to you about. Um, but um, but, talk to us. What's the headline? Who is this dude? What's the stink about Craig Wright?
0: So uh, Craig Wright has been uh, pretending to be Satoshi uh, for a good three to four years now. Uh, maybe even a little longer. Um, yeah, probably going on almost four years. And um, it's amazing how many people have fallen for this. And uh, it, it really questions uh, the, the person that's actually falling for it. And um, he was in a big lawsuit uh, with uh, the estate of David Kleinman. So David Kleinman is someone that has some ties to the very early, early days of Bitcoin, along with Hal Finney. So it was very interesting how uh, Mr. Fake Satoshi here came out claiming to be Satoshi after people like David Kleiman and Hal Finney have passed away, uh, potentially two people who really knew who Satoshi was. And uh, uh, he lost his his lawsuit. Uh, So the problem is when you pretend to be Satoshi, you pretend that you have access to a million Bitcoin and you have to keep up the facade. So when you get sued, for stealing that bitcoin from uh another potential satoshi being david Kleiman, who probably wasn't either um you go to court to say that yes you are satoshi but no i did not steal that bitcoin from david kleinman and the judge disagrees with you and says well um i guess we believe you are satoshi uh but we also believe you stole a bunch of bitcoin from david Kleiman. And now you owe David Kleinman half a billion Bitcoin, half a million Bitcoin, which is like billions of dollars. And Whoops. Um, now, now we're all waiting for him to deliver that Bitcoin. And if he actually was Satoshi, he would have been able to prove it long ago by signing uh, the keys, which he can't do.
1: That's hilarious. Did you see this? I want to play this, uh, this video for you um, quickly. I don't know whether you saw this. I'm sure you, you would have seen it. Uh, let me go here. So basically, it's a conference, and it's Vitalik Buterin, the, f- the founder of Ethereum, and he's having a full go at uh, Craig Wright. Just um, have a listen to this. In Craig Wright's presentation, he argued that solving the Lightning Network work is as hard as breaking a discrete plot, which is... Absolutely false. If you claim that in the selfish mind, in the context of selfish mining, gamma can be less than zero, which is an, absolute, an absolutely nonsensical claim that makes no sense. Given that you make so many non decisions, why, why is this fraud allowed to speak at this conference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is this fraud allowed to speak at this conference? That's hilarious. Did you see that clip?
0: Um, I have not seen that clip, and I'm also looking in the background where they have Samson Mao and Roger Veer uh-huh. uh, as they. I think that was the famous uh, panel where Roger accused Blockstream of uh, killing children or something like that. What? Uh, that children are dying because of Bitcoin. Whenever Vitalik Buterin argues with like uh, like Craig Wright, or uh, whenever I see Roger Veer argue with someone like Noriel Rubini. It really bothers me because i think that most of the stuff that vitalik has done is pretty much as bad or almost as bad as everything that craig wright has done uh because i think that ethereum uh was an unlicensed unregistered security from the beginning i think it is a horrible platform i think it has set the world of crypto back years by Vitalik doing what he's doing, even though way smarter people than Vitalik told him not to do uh, this ridiculous thing. So um, I don't really care what they're arguing about. I think they're both generally wrong. Uh, But yeah, Craig Wright is a bigger fraud where Vitalik is seen as this genius, uh, but he built something that doesn't scale. He built something that is unsafe and uh, people use it it's uh it went up in price to sixteen hundred dollars per ethereum token it is now down to two hundred dollars and i believe it's going back to under a dollar and uh it's not a sustainable project that he built and a lot of us saw it from day one so when i see these people argue it's like i have a background in geology my uh my 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 bachelor's degree is in is in geology and um just to make an analogy to my world of geology it's like sitting in the audience watching a flat earther the beta creationist about the history of the planet uh and it's just frustrating <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man i'm gonna steal that one for dinner tables <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious so this is a, a quick one around the risk So. Um, you know, when the Bitcoin price ran up to like $19,700, people, you know, took out second mortgages, personal loans, credit cards. They, they basically went in on this new digital gold rush and they lost a lot of money. So the risk basically is a, is a small little segment. We just want to get your view tone today about what's the single biggest risk today in the cryptocurrency space as you see it?
0: Oh, interesting. Well, I don't see it as a long term. It's not really a risk. Uh, but I really disliked this whole altcoin, uh, the 2017 bubble of ICOs and altcoins. Um, I mean, I, th- that's a big risk. That's a big financial risk. Like if you bought Ripple at 3 or $4, I mean, you just lost a lot of money. If you bought Ethereum at the top at $1,600, it's now 200 and it's going to go lower. Litecoin was $300. Uh, it's going to go back again to $1 because these are useless absolutely useless technologies. They are just there for speculative nature, and there's nothing under the hood sustainably there. So I think that was a big risk, and uh, but that will eventually you know, work itself out and people won't buy into this nonsense. As far as what's the biggest risk for Bitcoin, there really aren't. Um, I mean, unless there's a major bug in the code and we've been able to avoid those for a long time, Um I mean, if the governments really don't like Bitcoin, they can eliminate it uh, very easily. They can uh, uh, go back to a more sound money. They can stop printing money this quickly. Uh, They could uh, treat money as property. They can eliminate all money laundering laws. Uh, They could uh, not confiscate your money. They could allow you to spend your money in any way that you like without censoring your transactions, and then Bitcoin will no longer be needed. Uh, I don't see the governments doing that. I see them doing the complete opposite of that, making Bitcoin more valuable. Mm. Um, I, I, I just don't see Bitcoin as risky. I see it short-term risky, but not long-term. Of course, you don't want to hold all of your money in Bitcoin. There's always a risk. Uh, even if I told you that there is a 80% chance that this coin is going to land heads, you're still not going to bet your entire life savings and everything on that coin flip. Because if that 5 or 10% chance it doesn't happen, uh, you, know, you lose everything and you're sleeping on the street the next day. It's like a Russian roulette, you know, like... No matter what the odds are, even if it's 10 to 1, but that one kills you, <laughs> uh, you're not gonna do it. Yeah. Uh, because it's not worth it. So um, I'm really not scared.
1: Hey guys, so as digital citizens, we are all exposed to the good, the bad, and the ugly of social media and the internet. Being a victim of cybercrime, cyberbullying, revenge, pornography, etc., can be devastating and scary. But, you know, it's not the full story. We do, in fact, have good news here. There's a company called Save T-Net Cyber Safety, and they help victims for free by connecting you with the relevant experts such as forensic analysts, psychologists, and the right people at the police and legal advisors. This is a for-purpose company, and they also share the cyber safety message at schools, corporates, and everywhere they can. But they do need your help. So get involved. If you are an expert, join their network or let your CSI funding keep this engine going by empowering SafetyNet to reach more schools and affected people as possible. If you'd like the full story, check out my interview with Rianet Leibovitz, the founder of SafetyNet, right here on The Matt Brown Show. And for more information, visit SavetNet.com.
0: I'm a believer in Bitcoin, even though I've had a bad reputation over the last Year or so that um, uh, uh, that I'm a bear on the price of Bitcoin, but that's only short term.
1: Yeah. Well. I um, wanted to run a segment past you. This one we introduced from our first episode. This is audience Q&A. So if you are listening to this or watching this on Amazon Prime, YouTube, or Roku, uh, feel free to get onto Matt Brown's show or the Matt Brown show page and drop us a voice note on Messenger. So I'm going to play. I've got two voice notes here from uh, one. The first one's from a chap called Etumaling. All right, you ready? Here we go. Hi, guys. Um,
0: thanks for the great show. Uh, I just wanted to find out uh, I'm one that really wants to invest and I was curious to find out as to um, for short
1: term investment but high return which which way should I go in terms of what coin should I possibly invest in to get the high return he then said thank you (laughs) 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 so what's your views there
0: well look if if anyone if i knew what's gonna make you rich short term we'd all be billionaires right so um it's an impossible question you're basically asking me uh, what stock should i buy in the short term uh to make money and the answer is well i'm a technical analyst i see certain patterns uh in uh certain assets and it's irrelevant to me what the asset is it could be gold it could be a currency. Uh, and the, the shorter term you are, the more difficult it is. I can tell you that in the long term, I find it hard to believe there is any asset in the world that right that exists today that will outperform Bitcoin over the next 10 years. Now, having said that, um any altcoin other than Bitcoin has a high probability of going to zero, a way greater than 50% probability of trending towards zero. So I can never recommend anything other than Bitcoin uh, because they're not sound. They're, they're not sound assets. I'll say that uh, in the longer term, I'm still in the me- I'm still bullish the stock market, especially the American stock market. I'm still bullish for the next several years into the future and through Trump's second term. I am a little skeptical on gold. I thought gold would have a little more of a bear market before going up. I really thought gold would have its day in three to four years from now, but it's starting to rise. Uh, same thing with Bitcoin. I thought Bitcoin still had a little more of a bear market in it and maybe start going up next year instead of this year. So I'm still waiting for a bit of a correction in Bitcoin. I'm not rushing into Bitcoin now. I'm waiting for at least $8,000, hopefully 7000 But if it doesn't get there, if Bitcoin does start to go up from here, I'm fine because I uh, uh, I see Bitcoin as a good long term play. I would simply add more if it drops down to certain levels.
1: Mm. So is that a buy or a sell on Bitcoin?
0: It's a buy long term, maybe a slight hold, intermediate term.
1: Buy now, buy now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: give, me, give me one second I gotta
1: let somebody in hold on a second guys who has he got at the door is it Craig Wright because if it's not him I'm thinking it's Vitalik it's Vitalik Buterin for sure right his other best friend (laughs) hey who John John who what oh John McAfee yeah McAfee jeez yeah no he, uh, yeah, It's one of those three. Should we take? Should we take? A, put it to vote. Hands what up for ten bitcoin on John. Ten bitcoin on John, John McAfee. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so we've all played. We've all placed bets. Tone on uh, who was at your door. So it was Craig Wright, uh, Vitalik Buterin, and uh, John McAfee. And John McAfee. Was it him?
0: Oh, I don't party like that. It was actually <laughs> it was it was Wooly Woo. <laughs> you know who that is, right?
1: No, I don't actually. I just thought it was funny the name. But anyway, who is he, or what is it? Oh, woolly Woo? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: he's one of the uh, one of the most respected analysts for the fundamentals of Bitcoin.
1: Huh? We should get him on the show.
0: Yeah, you should. It's a little hard to reach, but yes. uh, but, uh check out Willy Woo's work.
1: But he's sitting there, isn't he? Uh, well,
0: kind of. It's a, a big apartment. We're uh, doing some uh, work and some research uh, here in uh, Baku.
1: Can you wave at the camera? Does he want to be famous?
0: Uh, if, I, if I see him, come back to the living room, sure.
1: All right, cool. This uh, this question's from a young lady called uh, Trish. Hey, guys. Awesome show and always love listening to Matt
0: Brown. Um, just a quick one. As a beginner, how would I go about trading? Would you advise that I go through a broker or should
1: I do it on
0: my
1: own? One one fundamentals.
0: I recommend uh, people do it on their own. I don't recommend uh, going through a broker. Uh, and when we talk about trading, we talk about trading in general. So um, I recommend learning on your own. There is lots of good resources. A lot of them are free. Uh, so definitely learn trading I'm a big fan of technical analysis uh, the important thing is is to figure out uh, what type of a trader you want to be uh, from your time horizon are you going to be a position trader uh, someone that's gonna hold positions for years are you going to be a swing trader uh, someone that's uh, uh, gonna be holding positions for a few weeks to a few months are you gonna be a day trader uh, so I prefer to be a swing trader uh, a position trader can hold them from months to years. That's more of a retirement play. And um, uh, as a position trader, fundamental analysis is equally as important as technical analysis. And um, as a swing trader, I believe technical analysis is more important for uh, unless you're an institution with resources and interns and analysts that you can hire to deeply investigate companies. Uh, so I do recommend Uh, doing it yourself, or uh, give your money to a professional, a licensed uh, money manager or investor or maybe a hedge fund. Uh, But ideally, you want to take the time, learn and do it yourself.
1: So are you taking uh, deposits? Where should we send uh, the Bitcoin to your...
0: I am not yet licensed or uh, regulated <laughs> to manage other people's money. Nothing's uh, regulated like in Bitcoin, bro. <laughs> yeah, that Come was, on. Okay. that's what you think. But uh, uh, managing other people's Bitcoins without being licensed will get you into just as much trouble as any other asset.
1: <laughs> Very good. But good. yes, people do it. Good answer. <laughs> so trading the market, Um I think uh, I want to wrap this one up. So we've got $998 now. We've, uh, hang on, What's it? just wait. Hold on, I've got uh, the voice of reason on the line. The voice of reason. Um, I made a slight mistake in my previous statement when I said that we lost $2. I actually meant that we lost $15.90. Okay, so we're down a lot more than $2. <laughs> we are down a lot more than 2 That sucks for me. Dyslexia. Yeah, you see, the, your bonus is literally evaporating by by the episode. <laughs> you looked at you looked at Q and you said that, not me. Uh, but it's fine. Okay, we're done. So basically, trading the markets. <laughs> um, we've got nine hundred and eighty-five dollars now. Um, tra- uh, Tone, what is your trade? What do we do?
0: So, how long would this trade be in existence?
1: Not very long. <laughs> Seven days, probably. Seven it,
0: days. Not, okay, so yeah. so over the next seven days, what would be my trade? So over the next seven days, um, I do think old coins can outperform Bitcoin in the next seven days. Um, I also think Bitcoin is ready for a correction. Uh, so I would either just be in cash or short Bitcoin uh, over the next seven days. I certainly wouldn't want to be long Bitcoin over the next seven days. I think the floor can drop out any day. Uh, so I would rather be short Bitcoin uh, uh, in cash or maybe even long old coins for the next week or two. Uh, that would be uh, and you can choose the old coin of your choice in the top 10. I think they have been heavily oversold, uh, but I would never hold on to any old coin other than in a short term trade to acquire more Bitcoin
1: okay great so it guy are you gonna lock that trade in sure. great thank you thanks so much i really appreciate that short on bitcoin <laughs> right so tone um thanks so much for being on crypto kung fu dude that concludes your time in the hot seat where can uh, viewers and listeners find you online
0: so everything is pretty much under Tonebase. Tonebase uh, dot tonebase.com tonebase youtube channel Follow base on twitter and keep an eye out on my conferences i now have several uh, the next one coming up is a financial summit in bali uh, which is a small event uh, for up to 30 people all intermediate to advanced traders and uh, hedge funds that could be looking for potential traders uh, as just a bit of a networking event between the two we have unconfiscatable in las vegas coming up in february along an epic uh, Bitcoin poker tournament and understanding Bitcoin in Malta, which will probably take place at the end of May. And uh, these are the three conferences that I organize and put together around the world to help educate people.
1: Amazing stuff. And uh, you're coming to South Africa in March next year, I believe.
0: Correct, I am planning to come to South Africa in March to speak at a conference and maybe stick around and visit some parts of Africa. i uh, really looking forward to it.
1: Cool turn and would we'll happily host you back here on the show. Dude, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Oh, hold on a second. I can uh, swing the camera around. Will you want to wave hi to
1: the Yes. Uh, to the African See? community. Added value. Added uh-huh. value people. We get a hand wave. Bye now. Oh, there he is, hiding <laughs> in the back. <laughs> is that Satoshi?
0: Yeah, check 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 out his work at wubul.com. You can also find them on Twitter as Willy Woo. Willy Woo. Awesome stuff. Not, oh, on Twitter. Willy Woo is the display name. Winomic handle on Twitter.
1: Winomic on Twitter. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Turnbase Base, everybody. This edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by Networkspace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Networkspace up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Networkspace, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country and you can do that. Right? Right here at networkspace.coza Thanks for checking out the Map Round show guys and if you'd like to get the kung fu put in your ninja check out digitalkungfu.co.za